Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
All right, welcome back to the Heavy Metal Mayhem Radio Show. It feels good to be back behind the control board. We were away last week on vacation, so there was no show. It was our Halloween show. It was new, but it was pre-recorded. But it feels good to be back here live again with everybody. So thank you for tuning in. The first show of November 2017, we are getting closer to the end of the year, week by week. I don't know if it's just because I'm getting older, but it feels like the days, the weeks, and the months are just flying by year after year. And this year was no exception, but it was a great year for hard rock and heavy metal, so I'm happy about that. Right there, TT Quick with Hard as Rock off the Medal of Honor record from way back in 1985, I want to say, maybe 86. Great band. You know, Mark is killing it these days with Accept. And, you know, I mean, I think the albums they've been putting out with him are fantastic records. Wolf Hoffman is just a great songwriter. Everybody says Tony Iommi is the riff master, but Wolf is not far behind him. The guy still writes incredible songs with great catchy riffs, and I think the band is phenomenal today. Would I love to see Udo back front in the band and a lot of the original members? Of course. But you know what? We got Udo out there doing Accept right now. You have Accept out there doing Accept. So it's kind of the best of both worlds right now. All right, we got a great show for everybody tonight. Jeff Jones from St. Elmo's Fire is our guest, and Mark Roughneck from Oz. We'll be talking to Jeff in about a half hour when we spoke to Mark earlier because of the time zone difference. So we'll have that interview on in the second half of the show. We got a lot of great guests coming on this month. Some of the interviews that we announced kind of bombed out. Those guests had other commitments that they couldn't get out of that day, but we will reschedule them for later. But a lot of other artists coming on in the meantime to fill in the gaps. All right, let's jump right into the music here. I had a couple of new things to play tonight. You know, let's jump into some brand new Heretic the band hasn't had anything out in quite some time. They just released their latest record. Uh, I'm not sure if it's on another label or if they did it on their own. I will find out, and I'll talk to the guys, and maybe we'll get them on the show in December. But here you go. This is This World Called Hell.
right, one of my favorite bands, Cities, with Stop the Race. I love those guys. I, I they did get back together once or twice, just like one-off shows. Uh, that was not for charity or events, but I would love to see them get back together and do a few shows, maybe record new music. I mean, most of the band are, are really still active. Uh, Sal Italiano or Sal Main from back in the day. Sal's been on the show many times. He has his Iron Maiden cover band he's a part of, which does really well. Uh, he's in a Van Halen tribute band. Uh, Steve, he's got a whole bunch of different bands going on. He's still active, and Ronnie is still singing. So, I mean, AJ Perro passed away a while ago. Uh, but it'd be great if those three guys can get back together. And one thing about Cities, I think they have like four or five drummers in the band over the years anyway. Greg D'Angelo played with them for quite a bit of time. Uh, Scott Dubois, uh, John Rubino, and John Angel, too. So grab one of them, get out there, and, and start playing again. They created such great music back in the day. And they really were like one of the premier club bands in New York in the 80s. They didn't play all the time. Like T.T. Crick used to play weekly at a lot of clubs. They liked the house band at Lamar, and they played a lot of other clubs, uh, you know, quite often. So if you missed them one week or one day, you could catch them another. But Cities made it like an event. They came out every now and then and did a show, and the place was packed. And they really were just amazing live on stage. So I'm hoping they get together and maybe do a little something, even a couple of shows here and there. You know, it would be pretty cool to see them live again. And right before that, we had Brand New Heretic. I'm going to reach out to Julian and some of the guys in the band uh, about coming on and, and doing a little promotion for that record. I believe it's on Dissonance Records. Uh, it's called A Game You Cannot Win. It sounds really good so far, what I'm hearing from it. So I am definitely digging the new Heretic. All right, how about we get into some more brand new music? Pretty Boy Floyd. It's been a while since I had a lot of these guys on the show. Uh, almost since the first year we were on, on air, I had them on. And uh, they were always a good band. A lot of people lumped them in with all the other hand metal bands. They definitely had the look, the sound, and the vibe. Uh, but their music was really a lot better and a lot more than other other bands were. Christy Majors, I believe, was in a band called Jet Black here in New York back in the day. He's a New York boy. And they were a really good band. We've played them on the show before, and I believe they're on either the New York Metal Compilation or the Lamore Rocks Compilation. Uh, but the new Pretty Boy Floyd is sounding pretty good to me. Let me know what you think. Feel the heat.
Miso Disto with Power of the Law. Okay, we're going to give Jeff a call in a few minutes, get that interview going. Then we have Mark Roughneck from Oz following him up right afterwards. I was so happy to hear that the original lineup of Zebra is going out there on a little mini tour, and they're going to do that whole first classic record. You know, back in the day, if you saw Zebra here, I mean, even though they were from New Orleans, they kind of relocated to the, to the Long Island area of New York, and they kind of made their bones here in the city, played at Lamore's dozens of times, saw them multiple times over the years, always a great live band. Uh, but that first classic record is going to be played in its entirety. And back in the day, they used to do a lot of Led Zeppelin and do a Led Zeppelin set. They're going to also include, I believe, that Led Zeppelin set in with them. But I believe it's only out on the West Coast right now. Hopefully, they'll take it here to the East Coast because I would love to see those three guys live again. It's probably been close to 35 years of better since I've seen them live. All right, let's get it on some St. Elmo's Fire. We'll play something. Uh, you know what? We'll just randomly spin the wheel and play something off one of the earlier records. I'll get Jeff on the line, and then we'll play some brand new music off their newest album, his Here and Beyond.
St. Elmo's Fire, Here and Beyond. That's about as good as rock and roll gets. We have Jeff on the line right now. Let's connect him, and we'll get this interview going. Hey, Jeff, you're on the air. Can you hear me now? Hey, brother. How you doing? I'm doing great, man. You know, I was thinking the other day, because I'm a fan of the band going back from the very beginning. I was like, 2018 is coming out. That means the band, and the year after that, will be 40 years old. That's mind-boggling. <laughs> I know, that's scary, huh? That's scary stuff. <laughs> it, it, it still feels like 1980-something, but in my mind anyway, so that's always a good thing. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, uh, you know, if it, if, if it still rocks you, then uh, who cares what hell, you know, what year it is? You know, it doesn't matter. That's right. Does it feel any different today than when the band had first started out for you? Oh, yeah. I mean, things have changed uh Technology-wise, music-wise, uh, I mean, you know, it's all, you know, it's still all music, but it's just the whole, uh, you know, I mean, things, other things have changed. And uh, but you know, as far as what what's cool, cool is always cool, you know, no matter what. So there you go. True. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. a, a lot has changed over over the last four decades musically. I mean, we've seen pretty much the collapse of you know the record labels in one form or another. New ways of people, you know, listening, buying, or, or stealing music, however you want to say it. And, but there's also good to it, too. I mean, what do you find that's better today about being a musician? Maybe not so much the business part of it, but being a musician than compared to, like, when you first got started. You know what? Uh, I think the social media part of it, uh, you know, like what you're doing with your show, which I've been a fan of for a while, man. So oh, thank give you. me props to you, man. Um, but uh, the access that, that young bands have to uh, getting their stuff out there. You know, back in the day, uh, when I was back in Hollywood, man, you know, it was really tough because you had to go and impress these big record labels and you had to do these showcases. And there was no, you know, there was no way of getting your stuff out there, you know, all over the world. There was no way of doing it. I mean, you could throw your, you know, you could throw a demo out there and hope that somebody would pick it up and play it. But, that was pretty hard. But now it's like, you know what? You got YouTube, you got, you know, Facebook, Twitter, all this shit. And you can like just put your stuff out there and let the people decide. So I think in a lot of ways it's better now than it was back in the day. Yeah, that's definitely a great thing. But do you think that because of such easy access for, for you know, musicians or bands that get the music out there, that it kind of like, you know, whittles down the feel of really good music and, and good bands, you really have to work hard back in the day to impress, you know, a record label, an A&R person, you really had to make your bones. And, you know, and if you got signed, you knew you had something going on with today, you get one guy who could play five instruments, putting out his own record as a band. And, <laughs> and, they, and, you, know, and you got these garage kids. I mean, don't get yeah. me wrong. Kids in the garage band is how it all gets started, you know, but it seems too much too easy today. You know what? There's always, there's always a tough spot for bands. And I don't care. Like back in the day, it was A&R people, right? And I don't know yeah. if even young kids know what that is. But basically what that was was there was people at a record label, and you had to impress them. They were the guys that signed you to a record label. And if you didn't impress them, whether it was your live show or your tunes, uh, you didn't get past them. If you didn't get past them, you didn't get signed. Now a lot of access to getting things out there. And what I call, I'm calling it noise, all right? There's a lot of noise out there. Yeah. A lot, there's every band 
can put their stuff on YouTube, and there's a lot of stuff that the consumer, the the, the people that go and buy the stuff, they you know they don't know what you know. There's so much stuff that it's almost overwhelming. So what the A&R guys did is they they did the weeding out process for everybody. Um, they were the ones that said, okay, look, you know, you weren't quite ready. And believe me, man, I got so many rejection letters. I got a, I got a stack of them. I, I kept them, you know? Yeah. It's like, you weren't, you know, <laughs> whatever reason, you know, sorry, man, sorry, man. But I got a hundred of them, but I got two that said, okay, you guys are ready. And that was CBS and BMG back in the day. So wow. you had to go through your, uh, you know, it was a it was a growing up process, but now, yeah, you're right. It there's a lot of, uh, you know, you can put your stuff out there, but you know what? The bottom line is, Mike. No matter what, it's a tough, tough deal to be in a band. Back in the day or now. True. Very yeah. true. Well, yeah. Jeff, when you when you were getting all those rejection letters after like sending out your demo tapes, I mean, did it discourage yeah. you to the point where you said, you know what, maybe this isn't meant to be, we're not going to do it, or did you did you get more encouraged to say, you know what, we're going to try even harder to get signed? I mean, you go both ways with something like that. Yeah, it depends on the band. It depends on on how you look at the at look at what you do. I mean, I had people or friends in bands in L.A. And it just shattered them, man. I mean, they were like going, oh, shit, you know, I'm going to go home and that's it. For me, it was like, F you, you know? It's yeah. like, I know what I want. Uh, in fact, one of the guys that turned me down, like, I don't know, a bunch of times, he's actually the head of the Grammy Awards now. <laughs> <laughs> go figure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And he used to send me stuff, and I'd send him, like, like letters back saying, you know what? You don't know shit. And so it was like it was like how you approach it. And uh, if you believe in your music and you're, re- you're willing to work, um, that's all you got, man. I mean, that's all you have. You got you to gotta believe in yourself. If you don't believe in yourself, nobody else is going to. That, that's true. And, you know, Jeff, you talk about, like, being in Hollywood and L.A. I mean, the band, if I remember, actually got started up in, in the Bay Area, up near Sacramento. And, I mean, they had a great music scene. But as the 80s went on, it became one-off for thrash metal and real speed metal and stuff like that. Were, were, were the rock bands kind of forced to head down to L.A. where there was more of a scene for them at that point you know in time? Yeah, you know, um, there was two ways you could go. Uh, you could go to the Bay Area. You could go to L.A. L.A. turned into a more of a glam, uh, warrant, poison, you know, all that shit down there. And that's where I ended up, which is probably a mistake. The Bay Area attracted Exodus, Metallica, Megadeth, uh, all those kind of bands, you know. It was more of a – San Francisco was more of a of a metal, real metal atmosphere. Um L.A. was more of a, I don't know, hair metal thing. Yeah. I was more attracted to L.A. just because all the record labels were there. Um, you know, you had basically every label in the world was had, a, had an office there. So that was more what I was into. Um, I used to play in the Bay Area a lot at the Keystone Circuit. Uh, I played, you know, I opened for Y&T and Nazareth and... You know, all these guys. And when I first played in Hollywood, I played at a place called the, um, let's see, what was the place? Oh, it was, uh, what was the name of it? Uh, 
the uh, shit. Oh, Gazzari's. All right. Oh, Gazzari's. Okay, yeah, on the strip. Yeah. Yeah, right on the strip, and you had every <laughs> every band in the world played there. I mean, it was just like overwhelming. But at the time, you didn't know. You know, it was Great White and Rat and all these guys, and they were just all you know Warren, Poison, all these guys. Everybody was in the same ballpark, man. We were all trying to get out of the club scene. We were all trying to fight our way out. And uh, for various reasons, whether you had connections, which are important, attorneys, all that stuff, that's what you that's what got you out of there. I mean, because talent-wise, we were all about the same. But there's a lot of other stuff that goes on. And back then, it was a lot of other ways you could get out of the club scene and uh it was you know it was a hard it was a hard road but you know i mean going back i wouldn't have done it any different yeah you know? was it a difficult scene or was it a scene where like all the bands that were a part of it kind of worked together to help each other out or further the scene or was it like really cutthroat where everybody was kind of out for themselves and didn't care about the other bands that they were playing with or working no, with it was no it was very very uh we were all together um my bass player at the time, Simon, he lived with uh, Steve Adler at Guns N' Roses. And I um, – here's a little story that's probably weird. Uh, when I first moved down there, man, I, you know, when you're a musician, you have to find another job. You can't just go down there to L.A. and decide, you know, I'm going to make a living. you got to have something else. So yeah, I, <laughs> I got myself uh, a, a, um, a job at a movie theater in Hollywood. All right, and I was like the ticker ticket guy, ticker ticker boy. The guy down the street was the guy that worked at the magazine stand, which was like less than a block away. I'd go down there because they had guitar player magazines and all these music magazines, right? Okay, this long haired black, you know, black haired dude. Okay, his name was Saul Hudson. All right, it was fucking Flash. Yeah. Flash was working at this magazine stand. I was working at a theater, and we trade. Like he'd say, "Hey man, can I come and see a movie?" I go, "Yeah, come down. You come to the movie." And he said, "Yeah, if you, you know, you can get any magazine you want." So, and then and then Axl Rose was the was a manager at the Tower Records on Sunset. So we all knew. Sometimes it wasn't we we knew each other from being in bands. It was like we all had these jobs, and we all like, you know, got involved with one another because. It's like, hey man, can I go and get a free record? Yeah, come in and get a free movie. You know, we trade yeah, yeah. it. You know, you know. So, yeah, it was. Uh, it was just we we did help each other out. The bottom line is we all felt like we were against the man. <laughs> yeah, I, I get that. We all that. wanted to get out of there. You know. Well, was there ever a band that you you, you know you played with back in the, that person? I mean, like you know, on stage with or new from back in the day? You said. These guys are—they're never going to make it. They're the worst. And five years later, you're sitting down in the, in the headline of Madison Square Garden or something, saying, "How the hell did that happen?" Uh, yeah. Should I say their name? Yeah, you can. Nobody's <laughs> listening anyway. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. Yeah, I don't believe that. Uh, Warrant. Warrant. I could believe that. Uh, we had the same. We had the same attorney actually, and um, I just could not believe that those guys went as far as they did. And it was like, you know, it's like, how do you, how do you figure that out? But, and you know what? There's a lot of fans of the Ward fans and I'm probably pissing people off right now, but, um, you know, 
we were a different kind of band. Elmo was a different band in Hollywood, for sure. We were much more metal. We were much more European, in a way. Um, at that point, uh, there was a lot of like cheesy metal stuff going on, and we uh, we were bucking the trend, you know. I mean, when we were playing those clubs, you know, the Roxy and the Whiskey and Madame Wong's and all these places in Hollywood, we were much harder than most of the other bands. And it, in a way, we were like, like, you know, kind of the odd man out in some ways because everybody wanted to hear, you know, Poison and stuff. So it was just uh, it was a different scene, but, you know, it, it is what it is. Yeah. Well, that's one of the things about the scene, like in general, like if you think about when the band started out in the late 70s, uh, going into the early 80s, I mean, there really yeah. wasn't a lot of genres. I mean, they were rock bands. I mean, when I was a kid, everything was rock to me, whether it was Kiss or Judas Priest, they were just rock bands. Then it turned into heavy metal with the new wave of British heavy metal scene taking off. And then there was thrash and speed and hair and glam and the scenes just started getting subdivided There's so many different things And nobody wanted to be associated with another one for some reason And then St. Elmo's Fire comes out And you know that for a long time It wasn't until around 85, 86 When the self-titled record came out And you know, right. a lot had went on already during those couple of years I mean, grunge came out later Hand metal came out, this came out Did you ever feel like the odd man out Because you were just playing just great rock? Yeah, we didn't uh, You know, when the band first started in uh, the very late 70s, I mean, we didn't really think about what we were doing in any genre. We were just writing songs, playing, having a good time, getting drunk with uh, the fans. And, you know, it, was, it wasn't a, uh, there wasn't a preconceived notion about what we were doing. We were just writing and playing. And and then we started to realize as, as we went on that there's a real business and, you know, I don't want to talk about business, you know, with, with, with people because it's like that's kind of the inside inside dope about about what bands are. But um, but it, it, but there's a reality to it. And it became apparent to us that we have to pick a genre because as far as the labels were concerned, it's like, man, you got to you got to project one thing, whether it's heavy metal or hard rock or pop or whatever the hell you're doing, you got to stick to one thing because we're afraid you're going to confuse people. Well, you know, when it almost started, man, we were all over the plate. You know, we were, we were all sorts of stuff. And, uh, and then we had to kind of refine it. And then, you know, that's tough because then you got to pick a genre because that's the way the business is. Yeah. And, you know, it's just the way that that stuff goes. But, you know, we, we, we did the best we could. We we never, uh, you know, we never tried to be more than what we were. And, uh, you, know, you know, we had a good time. Oh, that you did. And as fans, we had a great time. I mean, the band literally, like, every two years put out one record better than the next, going from the, the self-title to one from the sky to power drive, the desperate years. And, and, you pre- and you know, you pretty much maintained a pretty steady lineup. I mean, a lot of bass plays came and went <laughs> during those years, but for, for the most part, it, it, was, it was a pretty steady lineup. I mean, especially after Chris came in on drums, like, in the mid-'80s, you did have a consistent lineup. Did that help, you know, stabilize the band and keep it, you know, so consistent from album to album? Yeah, Chris was a was a big part of that, you know. I mean, he had come out of uh, out of trauma, which was uh, 
the band with Cliff Burton. Yeah. And Cliff Burton was the bass player in that band. And Chris w- and is, is, you know, and has been uh, a really one of my best friends. I mean, that guy can play like nobody's business. And I think Trauma's uh, reformed, so they're doing stuff now. But, um, but you know, tra- uh, Zane and, and Chris were a big part of it because they, they had a, there was a stability to the band. Now, the bass player, it was kind of like in Spinal Tap with the drummer, you know. We had spontaneously combusting bass players. <laughs> so, uh, so, you know, we had to replace them. But but we had some good ones, man. We had some good ones. And uh, That you did. Yeah, it, it, it there was a stability to it. Uh, I owe those guys a lot. Um, you know, it was, uh, uh, you, you know, a band is, is a family. And you can't overstate that enough, um, because in in a lot of ways, you know, when you're touring, especially, it's like us against everybody else. It, it, you need you need your brothers. You need those guys that you know. After the show is over, you go back to the hotel and you go, you know what, you know, we did okay, and 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 you know, we love each other, and we're we uh, we're going to go out the next day and and do it better, and you know, you need those kind of guys. You need some, some real troopers, and those guys yeah. are troopers. Well, you talk about Chris and Trauma. You also did a short stint in Trauma a few years ago. Yeah, uh, I was in there for a little bit uh, because they needed a guitar player. Um, at that time, it was kind of a kind of a confusing situation because I had just we had just signed a deal with uh, Pure Steel to reissue. Uh, the four Elmo albums, and then a part of what they wanted was a new album, and so I started having to concentrate on an album, uh, a new Elmo album, which is Evil Never Sleeps, which is coming out now. Uh, but as far as trauma is concerned, man, you know, I I couldn't split my time enough. I mean, there was just too many things going on at one time, and I had to pick one or the other. And you know, Elmo is my baby, uh, so I had to kind of go in that direction and say, look, you know. I can't do the trauma thing. So, uh, you know, and I, and I wish th- those guys the best. But, you know, Elmo is like, you know, it's my thing. I mean, I grew up with it. It's it's 40 years old, and it's, you know, it's 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 it's, it's my my heart. So, uh, yeah, I got to I got to do that. I got to do that. Oh, absolutely. Well, you know, you're talking about Evil Never Sleeps. I mean, this album sounds like where the band left off for desperate years. It sounds like exactly where the band would have been if you kept going all just putting out records. It's got that classic sound to it, but yet it sounds like, you know, where you would have progressed, like, you know, album after album. Mike, you are nailing it, dude. You are nailing it. Uh, in fact, there's two tracks, and, I, and I've never told anybody this. I'm going to tell you this, because uh, nobody else knows this. There's two tracks on Evil Never Sleeps that were supposed to be on Desperate Years. Um, for various reasons, we couldn't get it on there. But I always had these two songs in mind, and and they've sat there in my house on a on a demo tape since 1992. And those two songs wow. are uh, Lord of Thunder and Wasted. And those guys, those two songs were were the next up to be on Desperate Years, and we just. You know, we ran out of time, and we had to get the album out. And so all these years, man, I've been waiting. I've been waiting to get these songs out. 
and um, and so I figured, you know what? If if I put out another Elmo album, those those two songs will be on there. So when you hear Lord of Thunder and Evil, uh, Lord of Thunder and Wasted, those those are Desperate Years songs written at the same time as as all those other those songs. And uh, you know, um, I'm just glad they finally got out after all these years. It is great to hear stuff like that, and considering that you know there was like a, a what twenty year gap between records, or more than that maybe. I mean, did you have to make a conscious effort to kind of you know get back to that sound a little bit, yet keep it new, fresh, and modern, or did it just come naturally to you? Because like you said, it is your baby, and you know exactly what the band should sound like. Uh, yeah, I can't be anything different than than what I am, um, musically, guitar wise. I mean, uh, you know, I'm, I'm from a certain point in time you know a certain age I, I i don't i mean i appreciate and i love the new music that's coming out i mean some of these musicians are just freaking off the hook good you know yeah but i uh i am who i am and i write what i write and i can't be any more uh than what i am so when those songs when the evil evil never sleep songs when i started writing that that album um it came naturally, right? It, I, I wasn't trying to be anything more. I wasn't trying to be uh, a young kid. I wasn't trying to be 19 again. It's like I'm just, uh, you know, and, and, and I wanted the audience that always liked Elmo to, to get into these songs as well. And, you know, and, and new, new to audience as well. I mean, I, I, uh, I, I you know, I, I want to get it, everybody who, that I can to, to like the band. But as far as writing and the way I play, I'm just who I am, and uh, that'll never change. So. Yeah, and, and that, that's what shows. Because so many bands reunite after a lot of years, and they put out new music. Or you have members from other bands that you know form new bands and write. And I listen to the music. I'm like, I'm not expecting it to sound like it's 1983 again. But you know, the reason I liked that band was because of a certain sound and style that they had. And I know, you know, over years you're maturing, different interests come into your life. But when I hear a band sounding so far off of what they are, why I can't even recognize it. As a fan, that kind of turns me off. I'm like, all right, well, I'm not really into it. I don't feel that way with your new record. I feel like, you know, I went along for the ride all these years with you guys. Well, that's great. No, that's exactly what uh, what I tried to do. And, and you saying that to me, man, that to me, that means so much because I wasn't trying to change anything. I think if there's anything that maybe is more um, more today is maybe the lyrics. Uh, I'm a little more affected by things that are happening in the world. Uh, not politically so much, but just, you know, the evil never sleeps idea is is just every, ever since 9-11, man, um, I, I, I'm, I, I was really affected by that. It really, really yeah. hurt me. And, um, and even what happened today in Texas, you know, at the church. I just, I just that. saw that. Yeah, I just saw that in the news before. Sad, sad world we're living in now. Yeah, it, it, you know, and everything in between. I mean, the thing in Las Vegas, the the, the terrorist stuff in Europe. I mean, evil never does sleep. It never does, and that is the whole point of this record. And I don't want to get heavy, and I don't want to get you know all this stuff going on. But you know, that's what I feel, and I and I. You know, there's a, there's so many good people that are um, being, you know, innocents that, um, and it and it hurts me. It and it's hurt me since 9/11, and I just, uh, 
And I don't want to get political about it because, you know, evil is in the eye of the boulder, but sometimes evil is just evil. It's just true. Is. And, it's true. Uh, I, you know, it, it just is. And I, and that's what this album is, is that I want, you know, it's my way of saying, look, you know, good people want to get past evil. They want to forget it. They want to just move on. But you can't. You can't do that because you have to be vigilant. You have to be aware that it's still around and it's and and you've got to be you got to look out for one another because it never goes away it's just one thing after another and we got to be able to to be aware and to fight it good people have to take care of one another you know uh, I, I couldn't agree with you anymore. This is not the world we grew up with in the 60s and 70s when we were younger and neighbors looked out for each other. No. You could, it's a whole different world today. I blame us as much as I blame, you know, like everybody else on the outside that causes it because we, like I said, we don't look out for each other like we used to anymore. No, and that's what this album is all about. And that's what I've, each track on this, on this record is about um, being aware being um, being vigilant, you know. I mean, being taking care of one another because I I believe that evil is a tangible thing, you know. And and I I think that we need, you know, the good people in this world and most people look, face it, I'd say ninety ninety five percent whatever it is are great people. It's just that that small fraction that make us afraid. And uh, I, uh, I'm against that. I want people to take care of one another. So that's that's what this is about. I couldn't agree more. I'm glad you gave us a whole, you know, example of what the album means. Because when I heard the title, Evil Never Sleeps, I thought you wrote that about my mother-in-law. But I'm glad that it's something else. <laughs> <for> that, <so. laughs> well, there's that side of it. Yeah. <laughs> But hey, you know what? Uh, at least she's off the hook. I thought maybe you knew her or something. You ran into her somewhere. <laughs> yeah, perfect father for a song, but uh, it was something different. Same difference. It's <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm lucky my wife doesn't listen to the show, so <laughs> I can say what I want. Wow. Uh, but, but Going back to the early days of the band, or maybe towards the end of the band's early existence, yeah. it, it seems like yeah. it wasn't much longer after desperate years when the band kind of packed it in. I mean, did you just feel it was the time, or you know, it was like what ninety two, ninety three? I think the last I heard of the band. Yeah, they, yeah, yeah, right around then. Yeah, you know, um, yeah, I for various reasons, man, I I just was tired, um, and it was basically me that. That decided, you know what? I can't, I can't do this much anymore for right now. Um, I've been kicking my ass around since the late, the late, late seventies, man. And I lived and breathed it. And I was writing it, producing it, uh, doing all the business stuff, you know, dealing with the attorneys and the managers, uh, touring with it. And then, you know, I kind of hit a wall. And yeah. When we got back from, uh, we did a surfing festival down in Cabo San Lucas with uh, Kicks and Allison Chains and some other guys. And when I got done with that, uh, I came back to Los Angeles and I'm just going, man, I just got to, I got to stop for a while. And uh, around, you know, I just had finished recording the Desperate Years record and I was about ready to send it to the label. And I said, you know what, that's it. I got I to gotta stop for a while or something bad's going to happen. 
And um, that was that. And, and you know, uh, one year turned into 10 years, 10 years turned into 20 years. <laughs> it <laughs> kind of went on. For everybody else. Yeah. No, yeah. I did. I, you know, I wasn't like I dropped out. I mean, I played with different bands, wrote for people, produced for people. But as far as what Elmo was, uh, I had that in my back pocket. And um, and it took all, all the way till now to actually um, – you know, put it back together in a, in a in a way that I would be proud of. And let me tell, let me talk about the new guys. All right. That, that, yeah, that's please. Thing. Um, you know, reforming the band was a real, real hard process because, as like I said, you know, almost my baby. So I wasn't going to put anything out that didn't uh, didn't reflect well on the past. And I finally came up with the the the, the perfect group of guys. And that's, you know, um, Kevin Brady on vocals and Chris, String- Chris Stringeri on bass and Tom Frost on drums. When I found those three guys at different times, you know, I decided this is what Elmo should be now. And, it, you know, I went through singers and drummers, and, you know, all these guys didn't fit. When I got those three guys, that's when I said, you know what, that's, this is what we're going to do. We're going to do an Elmo record now. After all these years, and uh, I couldn't be I couldn't be happier, man. I mean, these guys are the best group of guys. They uh, they're real hard workers. They're talented as hell, and uh, they're worthy of Elmo. And that's really, really what what the bottom line. So yeah. when I found those guys, I put them together, and said, you know what? I got these songs. Let's let's go for it. And uh, and Tom, Tom is uh, my partner in crime, man. I mean, he's he's also an engineer, and he helped record the album and helped me produce it. And I and I just want everybody who's old Elmo fans, or even if you're not old Elmo fans, take a listen to some of these tracks and tell me they don't kick your ass, all right? Because they're, you know, they have a lot of meaning, and in a way, they're retro. If you like Old Priest or Iron Maiden, if you're an old school like me, you know. Uh, don't you think, Mike? I mean, when you listen to it, what do you think? I agree. I, I feel like it has that, that old school vibe of the earlier records, but I feel like it's a new band where it sounds, you know, you know who it is. It's familiar. I mean, different vocals, but, you know, your guitar playing, your songwriting is what made Elmo what it was, in my opinion. You know, it made the songs distinctive and stand out, and that's all on this record. It's just a, it's just a whole new vibe with an old school sound. Well, you nailed it, man. You nailed it. Yeah, and that's hard. That's hard to accomplish. That's a hard thing to accomplish, and you did it. But when when you thought about you know getting the band back together and doing it again, was there any talk of maybe getting some of the classic lineup together? Was that not even an option with Zane or even Tim was saying with the band before Zane? Yeah, you know there was uh, yeah there was talk of that, Um, but people have moved on in their life. You know, Uh, Tim is doing something different now. Uh, Zane is, you know, he's got a business. Aaron Smith, I, I I've chatted with several times. He's back. He's got his own thing back on the East Coast. Um, yeah, people have moved on in their life, and and uh, you gotta, you know, you gotta you gotta also think about where people are, and if they've moved on, you know, to them that's like, a, you know, something they did in the past. I was looking for guys that look into the future. Uh, yeah, yeah. 
Um, and that's no, that that's not a slap on 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 the uh, old members of Elmo because, you know, I didn't figure they're going to wait around, you know, waiting for me to call them and say, hey, <laughs> we got got a new album coming out, man. You want to be on? I mean, that's, that's not how it works. You know, people uh, know. they move on too. So what I was looking for was guys that had the same attitude like like we had back in the day, back in the eighties and seventies, that are hungry and say, you know what, you know, we want to go out and kick some ass because we have something to prove. And um that's what this is all about. And I think that's what the freshness of this of this record is, is guys that um that I've worked with before. You know, I've I've worked with these guys before in different projects. But to uh to zero in on what Elmo is and the type of material that um that I was doing and have done and 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 doing now uh these are the guys to pull it off and uh man I couldn't I couldn't be happier with with the way turn, things turned out so you know um yeah yeah well, it, so. it also helps invigorate you also because you're playing with new people. It's all fresh to them. I mean, I'm sure Aaron, Rusty, Simon, and Steve all waiting for that call to come in. They're probably all turning up their bases hoping they'd be one on the list, but you went with somebody else. And But it works out that way. Yeah, you know, I'd, I've, uh, you know, uh, Chris was the last one. I mean, we were on the fence about whether he was going to be part of this till the very end. Uh, to right before we started recording, and and it, you know it just didn't it, it just didn't work out, and and uh, so you know I had to make some decisions, and they were tough decisions, but you know uh, the, the 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 eye on the prize was the thing I was looking at, and that was all the Elmo fans out there who've been you know haven't heard a new Elmo song since 1992 or three or whatever it was. I didn't want to disappoint them. I mean, I I feel a real obligation to 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 the old Elmo fans because you know I, I look at it like they would look at it. I you know I wouldn't want to put out a song that would disappoint people. Going, God, man, you know, I mean, after all these years, that's the best they can do. I mean, yeah, yeah, that's a, that 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 you know that couldn't cut it. That would not cut it. And I had that that thought in my head. Every moment of recording, every moment of writing the songs, every moment of producing or mixing, I had the fans in my mind because I wouldn't want to be disappointed either. And I, you know, and and Mike, you know this, you know, you've listened to bands that haven't put out records in a long time, and they finally put up a put out a record, and they go, "Oh God, what were they doing?" Yeah, you know? exactly. I mean, <laughs> yep. Yeah, and and I. You know, I I didn't want that. I didn't want to be one of those. I mean, that was a really, really, uh, you know, very, very, you know, apparent thing for me. I did not want to be one of those bands. I and you know, I want Elmo. If if this is going to be the last Elmo record, I want to go down swinging, man. You know. Well, I hope it's not <laughs> the last one. I'm hoping that we're going to get many more. Did you ever consider uh, putting up a hologram of Zane? Going like the Ronnie James Dio route and performing with the hologram. <laughs> <laughs> you, <think> of that? <laughs> you, know you know what, Mike? That's a great idea. I'm gonna I'm gonna look into that. Right? It'll save I'm a lot of money. Too. You don't have to pay salaries. You get get the whole band as a hologram. You just play live next to them. Yeah, 
you know what? That might be the future of rock right there. Yeah. No talk back, <laughs> no arguments, nobody disagreeing with anything. You just slap the, no. the light on, put the screen up, and you're done. Everybody every, everybody gets along. It's like a, <laughs> like a love fest all the time. I know. I was just reading about the like the Ronnie James Dio hologram tours going out over Europe. That you're like, oh Jesus Christ! Yeah. They can't let the guy rest in peace. I mean, they're going to resurrect him on the yeah. screen again now. It's yeah, unbelievable. he's going to work. To, he's going to work forever, man. You know, he's just going to keep. You know. <laughs> uh, amazing technology. That's what I go to Disney World for. I go there to see all that stuff. You know, on stage. I like oh to see well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're going to watch bands. You know, till the end of time, just on holograms because you know. Absolutely. I mean, look, isn't that what tribute bands? I mean, you see some of these tribute bands, right? Like yeah, Pink they had Floyd a deal with tribute guys. bands. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. You're right. I don't get it, but yeah. it's just a way of making money, you know. <laughs> no, I mean, I you know, and in some ways, you know, I don't want to get all weird about this, but in some ways, that shows you kind of the state of music is like, like my kids. You know, I have I have teenage kids. And their favorite bands are like, you know, DC and every, yeah. you know, all these hard rock seventies, eighties bands. They don't, they don't even care about something new. I mean, I, and I, you know, I'm not bagging on anybody new, but it's like my, my kids are like, and, and they're friends. They're in the same bands that I was in when I was, you know, Zeppelin and all that stuff. Yeah, like, I know. It's weird. I, yeah. I, I don't understand it, and I don't try to coach them. I say, you know, you like what you like, but that's what they like, so, you know, whatever. Yeah, good music never goes out of style. I mean, I say the same thing. I see all these young kids at shows into the bands that I was watching, you know, back in the late 70s and 80s, and they weren't even born. I'm like, I can't see myself when I was that age listening to my father's music, you know, like when I was a kid. <laughs> I did everything to go against that, you know, like, like to find myself differently. You know, I mean, even though I listened to doo-wop and all that stuff today, you know, but back then as a teenager, I couldn't see myself listening to Tony Bennett and Frank Sinatra and my father's music, you know? That's exactly, no, I, when you said that, that's exactly true, because my dad was like, you know, Frank Sinatra and Tony Bennett and Trini Lopez and yeah. some of you guys. <laughs> it's like, I can't, like, figure, hey, Dad, can you take me to Trini Lopez concert? It's like, no. No. Nah. <laughs> yeah, that's the way it was in my house. When my father wanted to play in the radio, was what you heard, and what he wanted to watch on TV is what you watch. You didn't have any say in the matter except to get up and change the channel. <laughs> that was what you had to do. <laughs> yeah, it's like uh, you know, Lawrence Welk or something, man. It's like no, I don't think exactly. I'm wrong. Exactly. You know, so, uh, <laughs> but they were good times. And yeah, yeah Jeff, well, I, you know what? Yeah, it, it stands it the test stuff. of time. Anything good stands the test of time, for sure. Absolutely. Hey, Jeff, I'm not going to keep you much longer. I got Mark Ruffneck yeah. from Mars coming on. And you know what it is? In Sweden, they only get about 13 minutes of sunlight a day. So I want to get him while he's still okay. awake before he falls asleep. The new yep, record, yep. Evil Never Sleeps. I mean, where could people get it? Is this going to come out on Pure Steel, too? Or was that just the other records, the, the, the first yeah, one? Yeah, the, yeah. This is not until March, but people can. If you want to hear it, man, you can go uh, – online to you know itunes and amazon and you can download it so i hope people do i hope people uh get a first glimpse of it but as far as a physical uh cd or uh, it's going to come out on vinyl as well but that will be nice March, so yeah but uh you know what i hope people uh you know you know listen to it and uh download it and and you know enjoy it now you know i mean uh yeah Absolutely. Now, I'm going to play the hell out of it on this show and promote it to death. Uh, you got anything coming up in the immediate future you want people to know about? Or are you going to t- take it easy for the rest of uh, 2017? 
Yeah, you know what? Yeah, I've been working on this uh, Evil Never Sleeps album for the last two years, so I'm just going to take a breather. And you know, the holidays coming up. You know how it is. Uh, yep. Uh, you know, the business kind of like, you know, everybody takes a break. You just try to let people uh, enjoy the music that's already out there. But you know what? Uh, Mike, you'll be the first to know what I'm doing. All right? Absolutely. I'll let I you love know it. What, what's going on. You know? And Jeff, anytime you I'm want to come fan. on the show for anything, you come on, man. It, it's it's always a good time talking with you when you come on here now. I appreciate, it, man. And I, you know, like I said, I've uh, I've enjoyed your show for a long time, and it's an honor, man. I, I'm thank you very much for letting me be here. I really. Oh, uh, really it's my pleasure. It. I I knew somebody was listening, so at least it was you. And now I know who that one guy is, so I I feel better now knowing no. that it was you. <laughs> you're, you're being modest. There's a lot more than that. Let me let me tell you. I know. I uh, just you know. But I'm glad about that. that. I'm so happy that this record sounds as good as it does, man. You did a great job on it. I appreciate it. I appreciate it, Mike. Thank you very much. Yeah, man. Uh, like I said, it's an honor. And, you know, whenever you want me back, I'm uh, I'm here for you, bro. I'm here. You got it. We will definitely do this again soon. I'm going to get on uh, We Will Not Die. Absolutely. Well, thank you. Thanks. And, and I just want to say to all the Elmo fans, um, thank you for hanging in. And, uh, you know, thank you for your support in the past. And I hope that, uh, you know, you're, you're, you're with us, uh, in the future and I hope you enjoy the album. I know they will, Jeff. You have a great day over there and I'll talk to you real soon, buddy. Okay, Mike. You take care, brother. You too. Take care. All right. Let's All jump right. into some brand new St. Elmo's Fight. We will not die. Like I said, Jeff, he did a great job putting this album together. And if you like the old stuff, you're going to love this. Here you go. I want you to remember that no bastard ever won war dying for his country. You won it by making the other poor dumb bastard die for his country.
man, Dead Engine with White Hot. I love those guys from back in the day. I tried getting a few of the members on the show at one point or another over the years, but, you know, nothing really came out of it to happen. Maybe it's a time to start digging in again. But, you know, I want for the month of November, I you know, the whole point of the show when we started was really just for me and Tommy to have fun playing the old music from the 80s. And then it kind of morphed into a lot more, and Tommy kind of uh, moved on to his couch on Sunday night to watch football, then baseball, and hockey. So Tommy hasn't really called in and been a part of it in a couple of years now. But, uh, you know, we always wanted to dig up those classic 80s underground bands that maybe only had demo tapes out in the day or, or a single here and there and kind of disappeared. And, you know, we've dug up a lot of great bands, and we've tried to reunite a few of them. We came close on a couple, uh, but it just didn't happen. Sneak Attack, the uh, Savage Thrust, we were really on the, on, the, on the cusp of those happening, but it, it just kind of fell apart. So this month, we dug up a bunch of other underground bands from back in the day, and we'll get them on. Next week, we have Mark Warner from Rex Vetter. The man put out one seven-inch single back in the day. I believe they were from Long Island, New York, and they kind of disappeared into obscurity. So we have Mark on the show next week. We also have Mike Matney from White Boy and the Average Rat Band, another classic underground record from back in 1980. Heaven and Hell have reissued it, or they're getting ready to reissue it. Uh, and they did a great job on the package for it like they normally do. And we were supposed to have Jeff Scott Soto on the show next week. I don't know if that's going to happen because he's, uh, he's in the middle of Trans-Siberian Orchestra rehearsals. We might have to reschedule that uh, for another week. But we've got a bunch of great guests and a couple of classic underground bands coming on the show. We got Craig Thomas on Prayer, the UK band. So stick around. It's going to be a great month here on the show. And then in December, like, uh, you know, we were just talking about with Jeff, you know, the music industry sort of goes on hiatus the last month of the year and they give everybody kind of a break. Uh, and because the holidays fall on the last two Sundays of the month, you know, Christmas Day and uh, New Year's Day, I think it's New Year's Eve, actually, we won't be doing any shows. So I'll pre-record maybe the holiday shows and get them on. So we're going to jam on as many great guests as we can over the next few weeks. So stick around next week. A pretty cool show for everybody. And I want to thank everybody for listening to the Halloween show last week. I know I didn't really do a lot of promoting on it because we were away on vacation for my 50th birthday and my wife and I's 25th wedding anniversary. So uh, thank you for tuning into that show. I like doing that show live. The Halloween show, the Christmas show, the New Year's Eve show, like my favorite ones to do. And it kind of sucked pre-recording it because you don't get that vibe. Not that you know who's listening on that anyway you're doing the show. You're just basically talking into a microphone and staring at a bunch of screens and, and, and boards and switches. So you have no idea who's listening anyway. But I just know when I do it live, I'm doing it live and it makes me feel better. But it is what it is. All right, let me see here. Uh, I saw it on Blabbermouth before. They had like a little blurb about uh, Mike Port and I talking about how he would never want to go back to Adrenaline Mob because like he's not into that little club circuit thing anymore. And when you read that, it sounds like he's flagging the band. But that's just Blabbermouth taking a line he says out of context. That's not what he said or what he meant. Because I saw a lot of people commenting on that and talking about it. He was just saying that he's happy where he is. Like, he doesn't want to do the club circuit. He didn't say Adrenaline Mob is the club circuit band. He just said he remembers those couple of shows he did with them and other bands. You know, they have a way of distorting what people say. to come up with a sensational headline. to get you to click on the link and read it. But that's not what the guy said or what he meant. You know, I, we've had Mike on the show. He's one of the sweetest guys you could ever meet. And that's not how it came out with him. We just talked to Jeff about the Dio Hologram thing. That's going out on tour next year. They're going to do a, a Dio set with the Hologram. And then Rippa and Oni, who have been singing with Dio Disciples on and off throughout the years, are going to come out and do a live set. I don't know if it's both of them uh, singing on tour at the same time or 
one's going to do certain sh- shows, the other one's going to do shows. I don't know how it's going to work, but honestly, I have no interest in seeing a Dio hologram. I was lucky enough to see Dio dozens of times over the years, you know, in his band, so I, it's not for me. And even a young kid who had never got to see Dio live going there, it's not Dio live. Dio's dead. It's, it's a hologram. It's not the same thing. You can go home and watch a DVD and get the same feeling. It's not a live show, in my opinion. I was kind of behind Dio Disciples going out there and doing what they were doing. That didn't bother me. But, you know, the whole deal hologram thing, and I know, like, Iman and other guys go, go from the show, like, there's going to be a Kevin Dubrow hologram next and another one. It's just taking it to a whole nother level now. Live music is live music. And in this day and age, it, obviously, people don't even care who's singing in bands anymore. They just want to see these bands playing their classic songs. They don't even care like they used to. It's not the 80s anymore. So it's not a thing for me, but other people, you know, they're into it. Priest and Saxon going out on tour next year. That is going to be killer. I love it when two classic bands get together, and that's going to be an amazing show. Uh, I have to. I haven't picked up tickets yet myself, but I have to reach out to Saxon's people and uh, get on that uh, guest list because I definitely want to see them when they come to the New York area. Saxon still kill it. I've seen them almost every time they've been in New York in the last ten years. They put on a two-hour show. I know they can't do that live opening for Priest, but they're going to hit you with their best songs during that that you know time frame. And priests have just, you know, priests are priests. I mean, what else can you say about it? It's going to be killer. Definitely looking forward to that. All right, let's get on some music here. Maybe we'll do something new and then something old. Or we'll do something old and go into something new. How about we do some Hades? And then I have the brand new Operation Mindcrime single. I I keep trying to get into it. I I just can't. I mean, nothing against Jeff Tate. The guy's an amazing singer, you know. It's just that everything he sings sounds the same these days. Every song is put out with this Operation Mindcrime. I can't tell one apart from the other. Maybe it's just me. Let me know what you think. But we'll do some classic Hades, and then we'll jump into the brand new Operation Mindcrime. Let me know what you think about it. A Boat of the Dead.
lot to say. <laughs> not, not a big fan of the Operation Mindcrime records, not at all, but you make of it what you will. All right, how about we get some classic Oz on right now? We'll, we'll, take, we'll uh, talk to Mark Ruffneck right after that. We'll play something off the new record, and we'll kind of call it a show. How does that sound, okay? Here you go, Fire in the Brain. Fire in Brain, take one! How are you? Ah, Mike. I don't know how. I I don't know exactly what is happening. Maybe I call in your your own number, or is I is it like that? I'm using Skype. I don't know, but you hear my voice. I can hear you loud and clear. Perfect. <laughs> I don't touch anything here. If you can hear me. <laughs> yes, I can yeah. hear you loud and clear. Perfect. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because most of the time it's like that. If something is working, don't touch it. That's right. I say yeah. that all the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Hey, listen, okay. Mark. How is, how is your life? 
my life is great, and it's even better because you put out a brand new record after all these years. Yeah, thank you very much. If I make you happy, that's the meaning of to make music. Absolutely, and this album—I mean, the, the the name of the record—kind of describes where the band is at today, also with transition state. Yes, that was the idea when I get this. I I was trying to figure out that kind of that kind of name for the album, what is actually also explained the situation where we are, and and because of because of my background as a as a chemistry and a biology area. I find out this transition state, so I, I was choosing that. Yeah, and it fits perfectly. I mean, think about it, 40 years. I mean, the band has been around for 40 years. Yeah, that's true. I was starting the band 40 years ago. That's such a long time. I know there was a gap in the middle, you know, where some band members say the band broke up. Other members say you were just taking a break. It was a long yeah, break. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it was the break. It was the break. Yes, that's true. <laughs> but, but you did come back quite a while ago, and this is really the first new record with pretty much a whole new lineup uh, surrounding you. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, um, have you heard? Have you read any any history of why this happened, or you like to hear it from me? I would love to hear it from you. No, the idea is this: that when we was in in uh, 2013, we we was doing this uh, uh, this tour in the USA, and it was already starting before we was uh, we was going to the USA. That uh, because I'm I you can figure out that I'm old guy. I'm actually 56 year today. Hey, happy birthday! <laughs> Thank you very much. So anyway, when you're getting old, your parents is getting old, and the point is this: that we everybody was getting trouble with our our families, which means that our parents was getting cancer, and, and that's the sickness would take one two years, and after that it's the funeral time. So that was what happening actually after after this tour, 2013, that we was we was forced to take care about our families. And 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 that time we was putting O's in the hole because we there was no idea to do anything else because our parents is living in Finland and we living in Sweden it's it's far away yeah. and it it was a lot of this kind of shit and and uh, these two Swedish guys and also the bass player uh, the guy who was playing bass when JC Blake couldn't. They they was having their own bands and because we was doing anything so they was they was starting to starting to do their own things so basically it was me and Ape left and and time was passing and then then we could handle our things we get funeral made and paperwork made and everything made and somewhere there I starting this that maybe we should do something and there was a there was a tour planning to play playing in the Europe that time, maybe 2014, five, something like that. So we start collecting the new guys for playing this this band, and I I, I get connection with the, the Finnish guys who actually coming to the city Pori where I'm actually born. And we was when I was when we were starting O's, it was just only 20 kilometers from the city, so we was basically going back to the, our roots. And then we were starting doing things, and then we figured out that maybe we need to make new music, so we start to make new demo tapes. And we was asking these new guitar players if they have songs, and they was having songs, and we were starting looking the 
looking these songs and then 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 we start to make more things and 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 then we then we then we going in studio and like this and then we get this message that can we play in the Helsinki Finnish Capital One One Festival and we was playing there live. It was the back the same lineup what is now on the on the album, but the eight was singing. But before that, I start already uh, get the feeling that he not have a time because of his family situation. He have a lot of kids and like this, and I don't know exactly what happens there. But I start to get feeling that he have not time because when we were saying that can we have a rehearsal after two weeks, he said maybe, and then he can't, and then we was shifting. So after this. When we was in Helsinki playing there, we realized that he not have a time, and that was the terrible situation in that sense that we had all these fourteen songs recorded without singing. The only thing was was missing was actually lead vocals. So the question was this: What we doing now? I have made everything. We have made a lot of work to make everything ready in the studio, and 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 we realized that the singer have no time and possibility to sing there. So there is two possibilities: we throwing all these things to the trashes and start do something else, or we find a new singer, and then we figure out that. But there is a one guy who is actually singing now on the album that he can probably start singing. So we designed, not this year, last year, which have to be 2016, summer, that we go to studio and he can sing and we will see what happens. So he was singing in the first evening with this start singing and he was singing and then we say can we record this and we're recording the first song and then he will recording the second i think the first evening he was doing probably three songs and then we were starting discussing this that wow this is quite good sounds good he's a clever guy he's he should fit in the band well what we're going to do now and then we tell him that we have more songs and he said yes i come the next day and somewhere there, maybe the second day, we was discuss, us discussing with him, are you interested actually sing in the band? And he said yes, and, and then we was doing all 14 songs. I think in probably in four or five days. That's the story. So Ape didn't, didn't have a time, so we was forced to take new singer, but all these songs, what is in this transition state, was actually pinged that way that Abe should sing, but he couldn't. Yeah. I, I mean, when you listen to the record, I mean, being a fan of the band since the very beginning, I mean, going back to the Heavy Metal Heroes record, you know, it, it sounds like where the band would be today, whether Ape was in the band or anybody else. It just sounds like a natural progression, you know, from like where you left off with Roll the Dice or even the new songs on Burning Leather. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, yes, yes, but at the same time, when the guys was writing these songs, they was listening to old songs, and we was playing together in the rehearsal studio, the old songs. So, so they was having some kind of feeling how we have made the old songs. So they was getting some kind of things, and then we was, then we was probably having twenty, twenty-two, maybe twenty-five different songs, and we was choosing these. So some of the songs, what they were sending, I was saying this is not actually. Not actually what I liked is O's. 
So in some sense, we was together trying to find uh, trying to find songs which should fit the next step in the house. If I if I say it that way, are you yeah. happy? My answer answer. Uh, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. I I guess it was important for you to kind of keep a little bit of the old feel and sound of the band with the new members before you start moving on even further. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the idea because I mean, when we was making burning burning leather album, uh, Nick Anderson was uh, producing that. He is uh, singing in the helicopters and they are they are also doing some kind of comeback now and he had been involved several things and he was saying this that because we have old history and our history can you can see old history but you can you can be some little bit anyway proud of what you have done so there is no reason to start to sound totally different because if you like to do that then you it's then it's the better that you change the name and start a new band so that was my idea also that that this new album even we was taking new singer but anyway we was planning to do this album and still have ape as a singer so basically maybe this this is thing how it's how it's how it's feeling that it's it's not totally new band that you have some kind of old fashion behind there that's true you know, it, it, today it's different than it was in the early 80s. If you tried to replace Ape or, or sing of any band back then, it was difficult for a band because the fans, it was hard on them. They couldn't accept it. But today, uh, the fans are more willing to accept the bands because they just want to hear that great music that you've been putting out for so many years. They're happy no matter who's in the band. Yeah, and at the same time, I have been giving uh, interviews and also writing, uh, giving interviews in the newspaper where I actually... So I explained this that there was no bad feelings with anything. The point was this that he didn't he as a father feel that he had to give the time to the his kids. And it's same with me because I have one son son when he was younger, of course there was no no discussion about this. The family is always going first and if you not have a time for the singing in the house, I can understand that that, that was the point. But at the same time because I'm the only only member, and I actually starting this band, and it's it's really crazy that basically I have been the driving force for the band all the time. Even we have a guitar player and singers and whatever, but I have been the driving force how we do things and why we do things. So, so, and that's true. What you were saying that that nowadays you can change change the members more easily compared when you was 18, but it's the same. I'm 56 year old. I mean, some of the people is already gone. They they, they are dead. I can't put the fire in the brain members uh, standing on the line because uh, some of them is not existing anymore. True. Oh, and I'm still. I still. The point is still. I still like to make music. And and because we was having this almost 20 years uh, time when I was wasn't doing any music, but nowadays playing music with this new line up a new younger people i mean it's giving for me enormous number of energy and and feeling i still can do this i do it because i know my time is limited here in the life so i, I like to do it and i do a lot of this thing to myself 
That's very true. We are very limited here, so you have to make the most of it when you can. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. I yeah. agree. And you, you just mentioned Fire in the Brain. I mean, to a lot of fans, that's the album that most fans came to know the band by. Heavy Metal Heroes, to me, such a great record. But it was a different lineup and a different sound from that record to Fire in the Brain, just like Fire in the Brain was to Roll the Dice. Do you think Fire in the Brain is an album that kind of defines the sound of the band, its history? Yep. The, it, 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 it's extremely simple to explain. The first album was this that you made in the first album. It was the first lineup, but it was it was like this that we going and make a new album. It was exciting because we never have done anything before. It was the first time when we was actually we was making some demo tapes in Finland, but we didn't get any record contract in Finland, so we was recording the first album. Uh, directly in Stockholm, Sweden, and 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 that was the, that was the thing. It was starting point to holding. It was also the starting point to the Perry Fosper, who was actually owning owning Blackmark Record Company and the company where we were. He we were signing him. We was the first band band outside of Sweden who he had been signing. We was basically making this pioneer working together, but the fire in the brain because. With the first lineup, we was touring in Finland maybe four years, and we was just playing every Friday and Saturday. We was just doing whole the time that. And then the first guitar player and a bass player, they like to do something else in the in the weekend, and we was wondering why. So it was taking a little bit time before we find the new guys. And 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 think about this. That time it wasn't so easy to find guys who was playing guitar well. Yeah. Nowadays you can nowadays you can find thousands of those guys, but then uh, but eighty two it's it's it we was we was like some discussing everywhere in the Finland do you know anyone? So 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 in that time situation in Finland was totally different. What you compare what is it now? But anyway the fire in the brain was this this the funny thing is this that we was we was uh, when J C Blade was starting. Playing in the band, he was playing in the bass. We were still not having any guitar players, so we was figure out the guitar players later on. And then we was discussing that maybe we have to make new, new songs. So, CC Blade had probably one or two songs what was ready, and the rest of the things he started writing, maybe half a year before, maybe '82 or beginning of '83. That all the things we was doing is that when he was having a, some kind of new song, some idea, then we was playing that in the rehearsal studio because we didn't, we couldn't record anything. So we was playing these songs together, time after time, and then we figure out, okay, this is the how it is. It it means that it's starting like this. Then we do this. Then we do this. Then we do this. And we was doing this. And the same time when we was playing, we was listening. Is this good? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that was the way how it was working in the eighties, and because in Finland that time you couldn't find easily so so many albums outside of the Finland. So we was listening little bit Rainbow. We was listening Accept, Judas Priest, Iron Maiden, all kind of things. But basically we didn't have no idea that what happens in the USA. For example, that was totally far away from Finland. So we didn't exactly know that it was starting this kind of things, what is called new wave of the British heavy metal. We, we didn't have no idea about what is it. So basically, 
we could somehow making all these things for the fire in the brain in this little village middle of nowhere in the Finland without any knowledge what happens in the world. So basically, when we was ready, I was calling Börje Fosper to Stockholm and saying, now I have a band again and we have a good songs. So he was thinking, what? What what happens? Because it was almost one year when we were totally, totally away. In that time, you only had a telephone. We didn't have any fax <laughs> <laughs> You understand? Yeah. <laughs> it means that if you're not answering the telephone, you're gone. I didn't, right. have, you know, I didn't have any answering machine. I mean, yeah. it, it means if Perry was calling to me, I have to know exactly the time when he's calling because I have to stand, stand, stand exactly there when the telephone is ringing. So, 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 so the point is this: that we was doing our things, and then he said, "Okay." He have the other other band who is playing in Stockholm come and play as a supporter supporter act for that. We say yes, which day, which day, okay? We say that's day we're going to Stockholm and play play there, okay? We was doing that, and then he say yes. Now we have a uh, contract again. Do you have the songs? And we calculating yes, we have. Yes, we have. We have eight songs <laughs> yeah. about this. I think that we was having maybe one or two songs, but it wasn't that that clear. So basically, we we was having this fire in the brain, and then we was doing this uh, summertime '83. I think quite close midsummer, before or after that. So we was in studio. I think two weeks, maximum three weeks, and we was playing everything mixing everything and everything was done without any knowledge about which we of course we was having the idea how it should sound and this kind of things we was having the own own idea but we was we was talking to get together there but most of the songs we was playing exactly the same way how we was rehearsing in the Finland so we we wasn't changing so much when we was in studio we were just playing and and we was playing without guitar solo lead leads lead guitars and singing we was playing everything directly two guitars one bass and drums quite directly so so it was really crazy that we could do that but that that's that's the story so we didn't understand in that point more than that now we are happy we have make album yeah <laughs> that was the idea and yeah, and yeah, I completely understand that, yes. And then coming the best thing is this that we have been touring living in Finland touring there several years. And there was the other Finnish band who is called Hanoi Rocks. Yeah. And they was moving from Finland to the Stockholm before us. So we were somehow getting there that now we have a record company in Stockholm, we have made the second album. Maybe we're moving to the Sweden. We're just getting this stupid idea that maybe we're moving there. It's much more fun to live there, and we have done everything in Finland, and they don't like us because we didn't get any record record contract in Finland. So we was getting this crazy idea that maybe we move to the Stockholm. Of course, the same time, Börje Fosberg didn't have any contact with anything in the world. So he was just sending Fire in the Brain album, you know, to the USA, Canada, different places. Because he didn't know anything of these companies. And then the facts start singing. 
and he was getting all the time, we like to have this, we like to have this, we like to have this, we like to have this. And that point was for me because we was visiting in, visiting his, uh, his company in Stockholm, let's move to Stockholm. And that's the reason why we was doing and, and And that was the reason why he was getting uh, fire in the brain everywhere. He didn't have any contact. He was getting the contact when he was sending the album. And then he could sign um, this, what is his compact records in the USA. He was signing uh, in Bansai records in the Canada. And then he was signing uh, something what is called metal, metal, metal syndicate or something in Japan. And also LCA or something else in the Europe. So, so we was doing the second album without without doing any thinking anything else that it's nice to make an album in Sweden. Maybe we can maybe we can have some yeah, some shows to play in Sweden. And then some months later, he very has signed license contract around the world, and that's the reason why we was moving from uh, Finland to the Sweden, because we start to think, okay, we can be rock stars. <laughs> <laughs> you have to think we was 20. I was 21 years old. Sure. In that, in 20, 20, 21 years old in that point, when, when it was uh, 83. So when you get this kind of effect, it's totally, you're totally insane. You can move anywhere in the world. So it's the same. Abe was a little bit older than me. He's one year older. He was 22. Also, I was 22. Jay uh, and 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 Speedy and those. We we were we was everybody around 20, 20, uh, 22, 23 years old. So we could move any place in the world. Yeah. And you, know, you talk yeah. fire in the brain and and even third warning. They come out a year apart, both on combat. But then when yeah. Desert Storm comes out a few years later, I believe that was on RCA Records, a, a major label. The, 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 uh, after Fire and the Brain, when we was moving to Stockholm, we was doing first, first we was doing this turned across upside down, this uh, Maxi Singer. Have you heard this? Yep. Uh, yep. Yeah. That we was that we was doing first when we was living in Stockholm. After that, we was doing this uh, this uh, third warning, and the third warning was still coming out in the Bansai records and 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 compact and and in that time the whole thing was have changing totally because Burry was getting also also contact with the LCA in German. So third warning probably he was signing license contract with the LCA in in German and Europe. Okay. Yeah. So the point was this: that we was always having directly con- contract with the Burya, and Burya was doing the contract license contract with the other companies. We didn't anything, sign anything. We was just just signed with him. So in that time, he was getting LCA in Europe, and and his son Quatron, uh, Thomas Ace, whatever is his name, starting also making music. He was putting out the Scandinavian Scandinavian metal attack one and two, and and Pattery was starting, and then Burry was starting getting a lot of other bands. So it was a lot of going on there, eighty four, eighty five, and we was middle of that. 
Yeah. You know, Mark, I remember going to the record store I live and buying Turn the Cross Upside Down, the EP with Searchlights and Gambler on there. Yeah. And somebody's telling me, oh, this band, they're so satanic. They're like a black metal band. I'm like, no, I got their other record. They're not a black metal band. And from that day on, I felt like people kind of labeled you guys as like a satanic band, even though you really weren't. Yeah, yeah. But the point is just that because we was in that time, as I said, 22, 23, and we was moving from from Finland to Stockholm, Sweden. We have had in that time what is called Finnish some kind of stupid, uh, stupid choking thing. We were, we was Jay was writing this turn the cross upside down as a joke. You understand? Yeah. This is a joke. This is a joke because yeah. we was we was getting it. Um, because Burry was getting involved a lot of other companies. It was whole the time. Have you heard this? Have you heard this? We 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 could see when it's coming to Venom, and we was thinking, what is this? This is this is not the music. This is something else. And we actually we are not religious. Religious. We are not nothing political. Whatever. I I don't believe that if you're turning cross or 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 making 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 some noise in some places, it's it's calling Satan or whatever. Because I'm Atheist, I don't believe anything of these kind of things. But we was doing Turn the Cross Upside Down as a joke. And at the same time, because it's coming a lot of other bands, they was actually thinking that we are black metal band somehow, because the lyrics is like that. But we was doing this, that, okay, we're doing similar things as this other guy's doing, but we're just putting it a little bit more heavier, because we was thinking this is a good joke. And, 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 some of the people still believe that it's not a joke that we really mean that burning churches and, and, and this yeah. kind of thing. No, no. But anyway, that was that was just a joke, and and, the, and and I still think that it's a good song. But the idea is that the lyrics is lyrics as the other lyrics. It, we don't mean that 100 percent that you should read these lyrics and believe what we're saying. You can believe what you like, but we don't believe what we. It's just a story. As the other 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 music would be writing, we we're telling stories. It's not have to be right or wrong or real or whatever. It's just a story what they're telling. Yeah, some people some people take things too literally and they don't read yeah. into it what it is, and it's just it's just good fun. Yeah, 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 yeah. But it's I mean this is the reason why we why have why we're playing in the rock band. It's just for the fun. Exactly. You know, or, or, or or I say. There is a people who have higher or bigger meaning why they're playing in, in the, but I mean, in our cases, it's never been that level. We have no political interest to change the world or, or, or uh, uh, open the people's minds, minds that look this. It's, it's more, we're writing a stories and that behind everything is that you're playing at the rock band. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, a couple of years ago, Bar, like we said before, Decibel Storm comes out, roll the dice. And, you know, in 91, we really didn't have an internet still. So a year or so later, I hear that the band, you know, they broke up. We took a hiatus. And, and that was kind of it for a very long time. Uh, was it like the I don't think it was like probably the band members not getting along. Was it just the whole business in general that kind of just brought the band down at that point in time? You mean 91? Yeah, right. When did the band uh, call it a day? Was it 91, 92? Yeah, yeah, yeah. After roll the dice, yes. The point is this: that when we miss, when we was doing roll the dice, we was there as the same thing where we was in in hold the time. We was somehow running with, 
we was planning the touring and doing things and it's never happens. We should be in this tour with the Venoman, Venoman Slayer in, 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 in 83 in the USA and Canada. We never been there. And it was the same, but totally this 91 was actually happening that, that we didn't find any place to play. Uh, somehow this heavy metal, heavy metal popularity in Stockholm and Sweden was dying out. And and yeah. and yeah and 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 uh, Abe was getting first children and I I was thinking something else so I was saying to him because it was this that we when you rehearsing and we was doing this album and it's not giving the same effects anymore and 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 then you have a trouble to get uh, get uh, touring and and if you're just rehearsing. We have been done that two, three years. Everybody was getting tired, and and I was saying that okay, now I don't like to have this bullshit anymore. We're doing this that we we stop playing here. Everybody can go home, and and we take a break and wondering what to do, and 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 later on, we never done anything. So I basically selling my drums and starting studying the university. So we was fading away. Because lack of uh, lack of uh, possibilities to play play out and 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 it was just, everything was just fading away. There was no no interest anything. So it was the time to just go and go and do something else. Yeah. Well, when 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 you did say it was time to do something else, a year or two later, the entire music scene, at least hard rock and heavy metal, kind of fell apart anyway, and it, it took a long yeah. time to come back around. Yeah, that's true. But 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 as as I said. We was fade away '91, and I start. Uh, I was getting my son '92. So in that time, I was also realized that I have to. I have to do something. So so, I start to study in university semester and like this. So I was having some kind of academic world. I was working as a scientist some years. So so there was going my life up till 2009. And during this time, I didn't listening so much music because the same time '91 when we was taking a break. Of course, it was for me who was starting this band, and we have been moving to other country and everything like this. It was some kind of sad situation where I have been sitting by myself and thinking, can I do something else? And then I realized that I have, I have to find something else. And that's, that, that, that was the reason why I started to study chemistry in the university. So I didn't have no idea basically what had happened in the music business during the years when I came back 2009. Of course, I know that there are existing other new bands, and but but I wasn't interested in music in that sense that I didn't know exactly what happening. Yeah, yeah. I mean, as far as the business goes, it just. I mean, it's a completely different business today. I mean, record labels pretty much don't exist anymore. A lot of them, bands yeah. fund themselves. Did you realize how much the business part of it changed over those twenty years? Yeah, but when. 2009, when when I when I was starting this thing, uh, uh, I was taking contact with the JC Blade. I haven't been speaking with him probably 20 years, and 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 then we start just to choke in the midsummer, drinking beer, and say that uh, if he's still writing heavy metal songs and like that, and then we starting discussing that maybe we can do something, and then I realized that wait a little bit, I have to check if I can play drums. Because I didn't play drums 
in 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 how many years it is? Almost twenty years. So I was playing drums by myself, practicing probably half a year before. And then I was calling JC Playback and say, Well, I can do it what I have done. I have been practicing. Because my 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 how I say uh, scientific life was ending two thousand nine and that's why I start to figure out again what I have to do I have to do something again and this is why I somehow get back in the music system. But that's true what you were saying because I didn't have any, I haven't checked what had been happened, and when we came back, uh, we said 2010. During these years, when we're coming back, the whole music business has been changing totally. Yeah. Because in that time, it was still... We have acknowledged when we was making Burning Leather that we can sell some of the some some albums, but it's not anymore the same level as it had been. At the same time, the internet was starting more. I remember when they was when they was having this Napster and this kind of uh, that you could take free any kind of music. And I remember that when I was checking in the internet, that you could you could find our 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 songs everywhere there. And but then came this Swedish system, this um, um, Skype. What is it? What is it? it uh, Spotify. Yeah. And, and and I think that time Spotify wasn't so big when it was starting 2010, but now it's basically major thing. So then it's Spotify and then you have this Deezer and then you have something, some more. But the Spotify seems to take most of the places nowadays, which means, and YouTube, which means that most of the people is listening music without paying anything. They not buy anything anymore. They listening to music. Yeah, for free. Yeah, yeah, for free. And somehow, with some somehow, also, because I was working in the theoretical semester, I have been working all the time with the internet and 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 and, and, and the computers. Nowadays, the computers and everything is totally different. What it was five years ago. And what happens after five years ago, after five years, we don't know because the whole thing is moving so fast. But somehow it seems to be that most of the people, for example, if I'm looking my my, my son, he's just listening music with his mobile telephone or in the computer. So he's not having any kind of, you know, hi-fi system where he's listening music. And this is totally insane for me because I'm so old that we didn't have anything of this. We was having, you know, we That's was, right. I was starting in there where we was having this, you know, the C cassettes, and we was having in the mono system. There was no yeah. stereo system. I have been starting listening music with those things, and and now and now I can see my son that he he never listening in the in the loudspeakers. He's only using these headphone things what he can put there, and it's totally different thing. Yeah, I know. You, <laughs> yeah. you tell a kid today about a stereo system, and they don't know yeah. what they don't know what it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know, I know. But but anyway, in 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 in, in that sense, that uh, uh, when we was recording uh, uh, Burning Letter, and the same also when we was uh, recording this Transistor State, the whole working system in the studio was totally different compared how it was when we was recording in the eighties. So it was much more fun, but at the same time, it's distant. 
partly of these things cost anyway money and you have not money what is coming back anywhere or it's a fraction of the money i mean when we was in the 80s we was signing a contract with the body it means that it didn't cost anything to us the recording in the studio and we was getting money after that when we were selling records nowadays it still costs go in the studio but we're not getting so much money back for this cost for us true yeah so 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 in that sense it's totally different and and most and and, and it's the same same thing the other thing what i think had happened what i what i'm looking here in in stockholm is this that the big bands have never had any trouble not in the 80s not in the 60s not 2000 not now, not now and not next 10 years i mean big bands like metallica or or iron maiden or judas priest or, or bruce springsteen they have no trouble because they playing in the so big places they have anyway getting money because it's coming 20000 people looking when they play yeah the trouble is it's the smaller band because where are you playing because if you're playing in the rock clubs in 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 stockholm it's totally different nowadays compared as it was in the 80s because in the 80s you was having almost every evening or night somewhere someone playing and nowadays in this club level sometimes someone is playing somewhere people is not going out anymore and looking the bands when they play so this is totally different i mean the big bands everybody going i mean when ACDC or Iron Maiden or Metallica is playing here. Everybody's going there. It's never mind. It's the, it's some kind of entertainment. It's not anymore listen to music because because it's so big thing that so many people is going there. A lot of people who don't listen in this band it's also going because everybody have to be there. True. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot of people who is going and looking to ACDC because it's 50,000 people there. It's some kind of happening and you have to be there because it's a lot of famous people standing there. So I have to stand there too. So everybody's going there. It's never mind what they're playing. Nobody's looking that. But I mean, when you're going lower level, that where you like to play somewhere where it's 500 people looking you, this is really tough nowadays because it's not so easy to get it. I know it is different today. It's much difficult. But with the new album out now, do you plan on trying to hit the road or just do some local shows <laughs> or maybe get on a tour? No, no, no. We we can't make a tour. We we will this summer just playing some festival gigs. Not not the tour because 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 I don't believe that we can can get uh, touring that we just make a tour. Uh, right now, economical running that way that there is no reason. It's the better that we're making just festival gigs where we know that there is existing people and we can get that economic. So I don't believe that we're doing tours. We just make it, make make some festival festival playings in 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 hopefully in Europe. Okay, well that's good to know. Hey Mark, I'm not going to keep you. I appreciate you talk with me today. Transition yeah. State is out now on ASM. You did an amazing job on this record. Congratulations, and I know Thank I'll see you guys live again in the U.S. one day. Yeah, yeah, we try to get that also, the playing in USA, it's fun. And now I can give you this little hint, what is actually, uh, actually this funding, what is, you can understand that I'm smiling a little bit after so <laughs> many years. The guys, the new guys have already been written at least 16, 20 new songs. That's great. 
Fantastic. Which means which means that they basically probably have almost material to the next album. That's great. And 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 I believe that they start making some recording during this winter time. Fantastic, Mark. Yeah, yeah. So, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, if if I if I keep my health, that I'm not getting sick or die, and the same with the guys, I believe that that we can put the next album really, really fast, maximum two years, hopefully one and a half year or something. We are out with the new music. Well, I'm happy about that, but I'm just going to enjoy transition state until then. Yeah, 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 yeah. Great yeah, job, Mark. Yeah, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank very much. you. Take care. Have yeah, a
I want to thank my guest tonight, Jeff Jones from St. Elmo's Fire and Mark Roughneck from Mars. Pick up the band's records, support the music scene. We're going to wrap it up here tonight with one more song from Crossfire, Scream and Shout. Don't forget to tune in next Sunday night. I made a mistake. Mark Warner from Rex Vector is on the following. Next week, Doug Lee from Siren will be calling in, along with Mike Matney from White Boy and the Average Rap Band. Tell me that title's not a tongue flow, huh? All right, everybody. Thank you for listening. Have a great week. I'll see you next Sunday. Here's some crossfire for you.
It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.